Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Online, I want to say welcome to you. Love you. Thank you for your faithfulness. My goodness, I love each of you. Thank you for tuning in every week. You're so faithful, and I appreciate you so much. You are our online family. You are that for sure. Uh, let me mention one thing before I jump into the series, before I jump in that message. So today ends our 21 days of prayer. I pray it's been a beautiful time for you individually. Um, but the way I envision and wanted to end that today is simply this. When we dismiss at the end of our service, when we head out of here, um, I'm gonna ask you to do something a little different. It's pretty. If we did this last week, you'd be freezing, but uh, it's nice today. I'm gonna ask you to when you dismiss before you head straight to your car, if you will circle the campus, okay, and pray. I want you to pray, just speak it. Just speak over the speak over this place. Tuesday morning, uh, Potter County will use the, our facilities as a, as a location for voting. And, and we know how powerful and how important this election is. And there's a lot of emotions, and they're running high. And we just, I feel very strongly that we need to cover this house. Just cover the place. Just cover every square inch of it. Now, I'm not asking you for all 9.2 acres, okay? Don't go out there in the mud. It's still wet, all right? But we've got concrete all the way around the house, and you can just stay on it. And before you go straight to your car, if you'll just take one lap and just ask God to come, just show up in power. Bless every inch so that when people that can't even spell the word church walk in Tuesday morning to vote, they'll sense a presence. They'll sense a presence. And it's okay to get saved on Tuesday, November 3rd, before you vote. Yeah. It might help you vote. Amen? So just say it. All right? It's okay. So, man, this, they're coming to the house. We want them to know what house we're coming to. All right? We want them to feel the presence of the Lord like we do every single week. So when you dismiss, go get your kiddos and just take a long lap to the car. It's pretty, all right? You'll still get to lunch and just pray over the house, pray over the house. So uh, back to the series. Today, uh, we've been in a series since August 23rd called Fight of Your Life, and it's absolutely been a wonderful series, and it absolutely is a fight. It's a battle. All right? And what I've tried to do is I've tried to teach the church, all right, the little church and the corporate church, that the, the weapons and the armor that you have to fight a battle. You're a soldier. We are soldiers in God's army. God's not going to take us and call us an army if he doesn't equip us for a battle. But many people that are saved and born again don't even know it. They don't even know the armor. And we've tried to learn the armor, teach the armor. So I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, that's been our text, all right? We start in verse 10, 
let me walk you through where we are today, okay? We are in Ephesians 6, 17a, just the first part of 17. But let me walk you through the, the kind of the armor and what we've looked at. So verse 10, he begins by saying, finally, right? and we know if you're gonna say the word finally or in conclusion, you better have said something worth something before that. You know, he does, okay? And so he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. We talked about how important it is to know you're in the Lord, not with the Lord, but in the Lord, all right? Verse 11, he says, listen to me, there are schemes out there the devil's got schemes, all right? He's setting things up to get you, trap you, defeat you, take you out, all right? There's schemes out there. You've got to know and recognize the schemes. And if you're not in him, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you may not see with the right eyes. You may not see the scheme for what it is, all right? So then he reminds us in verse 12 that our battle that we're in is not against flesh and blood. Sometimes we think the person that's occupying the flesh body in front of us is the enemy. Now, that may be the person you're in a discussion with, sometimes a little heated, but they're not the enemy. They're not the enemy. In marriage, the spouse is never the enemy. The enemy is the one trying to tear up marriage and tear that relationship up. That's what he's about. He's all about killing and stealing and destroying. And Jesus said, I'm not about either one of those three. I'm about giving people victory and I'm about giving them abundant life. That's what he's about. So we have to understand that our battle's not what we see, it's behind what we see, all right? Verse 13, we talked about when you've done everything, you gotta stand your ground. And when you've done everything, you gotta stand. We have to understand that we can stand, all right? You gotta stand, and how do you stand? You can't stand in your own strength, all right? Can't stand in your own name, you stand in his name, the name that is above every name, the name Jesus, all right? So then we got to 14, we started putting on some armor. We put on the belt of truth, all right? Belt of truth is you gotta know who you are according to the word, the word. Not, not what not what the world says, not what people say necessarily, not what you've been taught, okay, necessarily, because you've been taught wrong. You gotta know what the word of God says about you. That's the truth that's buckled in, all right? Then we put on the breastplate of righteousness, all right? Whose breastplate of righteousness we put on? We put on his, because we're righteous in Christ. We don't have any righteousness of our own, we're only righteous because of him. So we put the breastplate on of righteousness. Why? Because we walk in truth and in the righteousness of Christ, okay? Then we got to the feet fitted, all right? Our feet have to be fitted. We talked about feet. They're killer, they're killer shoes, all right? You say, well, how can it be killer shoes if we're supposed to be in peace? Listen to me. You'll be in peace if you know that your shoes are the shoes ready for war, they're ready for battle. They've got, they've got sharp, like, like steel cleats type stuff on the bottom. Why? Because no matter wherever God takes you, no matter wherever God puts you, no what, whatever the terrain is, whatever the environment is, you will have traction. You will not lose your footing. You are sound in your feet. Your feet are tied tight because you can walk what? And you can have peace. Why? Because your feet are tied. I mean, I'm a tie-the-shoe-tight guy. 
All right? Why? Because I don't, want my, my, I don't want my foot moving in my shoe. Confidently knowing that my shoes are fitted. It gives me confidence. When I have confidence, I have peace. When I have peace, I'm walking in. I'm walking in. All right? Last week, we talked about in verse 16, the shield of faith. The shield of faith is not a little kid's shield. All right? It's a big shield. It's big enough to cover everything that lies in front of us. See, when we're born, God says, all the days of your life have been ordained. God says, I know every breath you take, and I'm gonna give you enough faith to take care of everything that your feet walk into. You say, well, man, if I had their faith, I, I, I would look different. You have their faith. God says in his word that he's given you a measure of faith for what you need. The question is not whether I have the faith shield. The question is what kind of shape is my faith shield in? And that responsibility falls on each one of us to make sure that our faith is well fed. Because people say, well, I'm growing in my faith, all right? You're growing in your faith. Is your faith getting bigger? No, it is getting healthy. God's given me enough faith for everything I need. It's just becoming healthier and stronger for what I need it for, all right? So verse 17, look at 17, Ephesians 6, 17, this is where we are today. 17 says this, take the helmet of salvation. I'm gonna stop right there. Take the helmet of salvation. So here's, let me show you something. So you got your belt, you got the breastplate, okay? You got your feet fitted, now you pick up your shield. Last piece of equipment, as, as far as this is, is number five, and you're gonna take the helmet of salvation and you're gonna put it on. All right, I'm pretty confident with my belt. I'm pretty confident in righteousness. I'm pretty confident in my feet. I'm pretty confident in my shield. But now I'm put on that helmet of what? Salvation. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever messed with your head? Anybody ever messed with your head? Not fun, is it? It's not fun. See, if you played any amount of sports, uh, you, you got messed with because there's a mental game, right? And what you're trying to do in an advantage in war and in a battle is you need to break them down mentally because if you can break them down mentally, you can conquer them physically. Does that make sense to you? You take two people equally talented, whoever's strongest mentally going to win. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, is it? It's the size of the fight in the dog. <laughs> I've seen little dogs get, boy, get all, they won't get off, they're like, mm, they won't get off of you, all right? Listen to me, I was, I was a sophomore in college and I played for East Texas Baptist University and we were playing Louisiana Tech, all right? We played a doubleheader. I, I, I was throwing uh, the back end of a doubleheader. Let me help you with what a back end of a doubleheader is. There's a first game that started at two o'clock. I was not pitching that game. I was pitching the second game. So 30 minutes after the first game ends, the second game starts. At two o'clock, there's not a lot of people there. People in class are supposed to be in class. People are at work, all right? And so by the time that game's over and the second game starts, there is a lot of people there, all right? So one of the groups that arrives at the stadium at the second game is the football team, whose now spring practice is over. And I go out in the first inning, and they show up. But the second inning I go out, 
and, and I, I hear them. And so if, when you come off the field at Louisiana Tech, the dugout's down, so you're walking, and they're sitting like right behind the dugout, and they pound on it. And so when you walk off the field, you're like looking dead at them, 6'4", 280, 6'9", 350. They're monsters. I mean, they like take it up. They're huge, tons of them. And so when I go out the second inning, here's what I hear. Ponder, ponder, what kind of name is Ponder? Is that really a name? Oh my gosh, he's from Athens. Where is Athens? Does anything good come from Athens? Is, I mean, what's the point of you anyway? They gave you money? Why do they give you money? You should tell the university you're sorry for taking their money to play baseball because you can't play baseball. You're terrible. And I'm like, seriously? They're talking about me. And so, so my coach sees this. So when I come off the field, I mean, they're just all the way off the field, they're pounding the dugout saying this stuff. And I walk down in the dugout and I put my jacket on and I sit down and my coach is down there. He's looking at me. And I'm like, and what he's saying is don't let him get in your head. And, and they're, they're in my head. Uh, they're in my head. And so he comes down by me and he says, you cannot let them get in your head. You have to be mentally tough. I said, coach, they're saying I need to apologize to you for, for you giving me money. Ponder. I know what I'm doing. Do you believe that I made a mistake in giving you money to come pitch for me? No, sir. All right. Didn't know that. So I go back out the third inning. You're thinking, he's good now, right? Mm, that's kind of good. <laughs> so I go back out. First two guys all right, first is a base hit, then it's a walk. All right, here comes my coach. He's 6'8". He takes a slow, slow walk to the mound. See, you're already on a pretty good heel as a pitcher, but when a man 6'8 walks up there with you, he looks like he's 7'7", seven, seven, all right? And he said, Ponder, that suggestion that they gave me about taking that money, I'm about to do that if you don't start pitching and he walks off, and I'm like, whew, I better get to pitching. So everything got great after that. Because what you have to do is, you have to understand and know who you are. See, what they were doing, they were saying things that were not true. I knew they were not true, but I listened to them long enough, and I repeated what they said, and they became truth. And then what I did, I started to live out of a false truth or live out a lie. So let me ask you a question. Why in the world would God give us a piece of equipment and call it the helmet of salvation? Don't you pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart? Yes. What is the helmet for? The key is, so what's the key with the helmet of salvation? The key is that I, Jeff, I put your name. I have got to know it. I've got to know it. See, listen to me. I've got to know it when I put my helmet on. When I put my helmet on, I've got to know that I'm what? Saved. I have to know that. You say, what, what, why is it so important that I know that? Listen to me. If you don't know that, you're in trouble. 
you're messed up because the enemy is absolutely going to fire stuff at you. He's going to just absolutely trash talk you and mentally break you down because he's going to get in your head. You say, Pastor, what do I need to do? What, What do I need to know? What's more important? What's the most important thing I need to know? You need to know two things, and they're non negotiable. You know these two things. Number one, you need to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're born again. You gotta know that, man. See, listen to me. You can't call your mom and ask her. It's embarrassing. If you're 42 years old, you do not need to call your mom and ask your mom at 42 if you're born again. You need to know that you know that you know that you're born again. In John chapter three, a gentleman by the name of Nicodemus comes to Jesus at at night, call him Nick at night. He comes to Jesus at night and he asks a question, all right? He knows there's something different about Jesus and he asks a question about being born again. And Jesus said, you must be born again, all right? And Nicodemus is thinking what? He's thinking human, he's thinking thinking physical. He says, well, how can I as a grown man go back in my mom and be born again? That's humanly impossible. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Nicodemus, do not be fooled. Do not be misled. You must be born again. See, I'm looking at everybody in this house right now and people online, and here's my question. Do you have two birthdays? You gotta have two birthdays. I know when my physical birthday is September 8, 1965. I know that. But when's my spiritual birthday? It's 10 years later. I was 10 years old when I got my life to Christ. I know in 1975, I was born again. Born again. Born again. See, that's my helmet of salvation. I know that. I know that. John 4, the woman at the well. See, every one of us has a God-side void in each one of us. You have a hole, a hollow spot. You can try to fill it with cars and workouts and muscles and money and stuff and reputation and friends and all kind of stuff, but it won't fill it. It'll still leave you empty. The only thing that fills that hole, his name is Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, he closes that hole up and you become whole. You become solid, you become secure, you become born again, all right? Jesus is one. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, the old is gone and the new has come. It doesn't matter what you used to be. When you meet Jesus Christ, you become new. You, you go to Jesus, can't see, and you walk away from Jesus seeing. You become, you, you, you're born again. The old, just like baptism, the old is gone and the new has come. You must know must know that you're born again. Number two, you must know, must know that you're scripturally baptized. You're not not religiously baptized, right? You're not church baptized. You are scripturally baptized. Does anybody understand that? If this is the word of God, this is the Bible, you wanna do the Bible, If the Bible says there's a certain way that you should be baptized, that's the way you need to be baptized. Why? 
because you want to live according to the word of God, to the truth. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Now, I don't want you to take my opinion, and, and just because I say this, you say, well, that's, that's how that pastor said do it. You meet another pastor, and that pastor may say something different. I want you to see what the Bible says, okay? See what the Bible says. This is Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him in saying, I need to be baptized by you. You don't need to come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this for fulfill righteousness. Then John consented. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at the moment heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, listen to me. I'm pretty much a country boy, but I know this. When somebody says that I came up out of water, I saw a dove, you, in order to come out of something, you got to go in something. Does that make sense? So Jesus was water baptized. He was immersed. He was put under the water until his little nose disappeared. And John brought him up out of the water. When he came out of the water, he saw a dove. When he saw the dove, heaven opened up and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know what happens to you when you follow Jesus after salvation and baptism and your little nose goes under the water and you come out of the water? All heaven opens up and says, ooh, hmm, that's my son, that's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. See, if you're serious about following Jesus in salvation, you better be equally serious about following Jesus in, in, in baptism. I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it. I mean, go all in, cowboy up, right? Do it all the way. You say, well, Jeff, I'm, I'm pretty confident about my salvation, but I'm not confident about my, my, my baptism. Why not? B, you got to be scripturally baptized. Jesus said it's the first step of obedience. If you're going to follow Jesus out of obedience and you miss first base, you're gonna struggle with all the other bases that he asks you to do too. You've, there's a first because there's a first, only because there's a first. He said, I want you to be obedient in, in 127th thing I've asked you. You'll never get the 127th thing Jesus asked you because you fumbled first and you're still fumbling first. I meet a lot of people that struggle right here. And you've got to seal the deal because what happens is you put the belt on, you put the breastplate on, okay? You put the feet on, you put the shield on, you put your helmet on and you put that helmet of salvation on and as soon as you put it on, you go, ah, I'm not sure, man, am I, I'm not sure I'm born again. I'm sure I'm born again, but man, I I don't know that I've been, I don't know that I've been baptized. What happens to you is you're not, you're not ready for battle. You're not gonna go. You're not even gonna move, right? I mean, y'all saw baptism last month when we baptized. There was nine baptisms and eight of those were adults. Next Sunday, we baptize again on the 8th. 
Already three people are gonna be baptized, one youth and two more adults. That's 10 adults in two months in the middle of what is called crazy out there. Listen to me. Our God is still on the throne and God is still changing lives in the middle of all the mess. Don't doubt that, all right? And listen to me. Jesus said, you've got to know that you 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 know that you've been born again and you've been scripturally baptized. And I'm gonna tell you, it's crazy out there. Don't let it be crazy in here. Because if it's crazy in your life, the enemy's gonna get crazy in your head. And if you get crazy in your head, you're not gonna walk out being the person God made you to be. You gotta know, man. You gotta know. You gotta know. So what does this do for me? People always wanna know what kind of a selfish country today. So I got, a, I got a helmet of salvation. I got to know, so what does it bring me? What does it do for me? Everybody always asks those questions. I'm glad you did, so let me tell you. Number one thing that it will do for you, right? this is what it brings you. Number one is confidence. Confidence. Listen to me. The reason that those football boys yelled my name and told me the university is an idiot to give me money is to get in my head so that I walk out on a mound and I, as a confident college pitcher, doubt myself. And when you doubt yourself, you don't execute pitches. And when you don't execute your pitch, it ends up about 410 feet over a pine tree in left field. That's not good. You don't stay on that little bubble very long. You sit over there, all right? Because we're not gonna throw up stuff like that because they're gonna tee off on you. If you're gonna serve it with french fries, they're gonna absolutely tater it every time, man, all right? Some of y'all are like, those are too many baseball terms. I don't even know what he's talking about, all right? Listen to me. You, what they're trying to do is get in your head because if they can get in your head, you're not confident. And when you're not confident, you don't attack. So you go back spiritually. If I'm not sure I've been born again and I'm not confident in my baptism, hmm, what am I gonna do in battle? I'm not fighting. You know why you're not gonna fight? Not because you know your God's not powerful. I know God's powerful. I know God's awesome. I know God's good. I know God's got good for me. I know God loves me. But you know why you're not battling? Because you're not confident. Confident people walk into a battle and fight. People that are not confident do not want to go in the battle. You give me any athlete that skips workouts, he doesn't want the coach to put him in. You know why? Because he'll fail, and he knows it, and he'll play that way. You give me a dude that's a gym rat, that all he does is pump iron, and for some pump Buicks, He'll go in that game. He'll strap it on, man, and he'll tear it up because he's confident. And let me say this to you, too. In a battle with a helmet, you can't wear someone else's helmet. Number one, it's gross. It's just saying. You put someone else's helmet on, you strap the face mask on, and here's gross. 
you put the mouthpiece in, and then someone shares some good information with you, that's not your helmet. It is now. I got the mouthpiece in. You can keep the helmet now, dude. That's your helmet. I don't want that helmet, all right? You cannot borrow a helmet of salvation or in a football game. You can't. You can't lean over to your wife as a husband and say, I'm sure glad you got a helmet because I might need it. I'm not going to help you, honey. Sweet, honey. You may say as a husband, honey, I, I have my helmet. You need a helmet. I borrow yours. You're my protector and my provider. I can't protect and provide this, baby. You got to have your own helmet. You look at your children and say, my kids, they're awesome. I'll let them borrow my helmet because I love them. Time out. He loves them more, and he made a helmet for them. He made a helmet for them. You can't share helmets. You can't share salvation. You have a helmet of salvation. It must be your helmet. You must know it, K-N-O-W, and you must know it, know it, know it. And then once you know you're born again, you will eagerly follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Why? Because you want to be obedient to what God asks you to do. And he says, the first thing you do after you're saved is you get baptized. Then, the, then there's no question. There's no negotiation. It's just that simple. Number one, what does it do for me? It gives me confidence. Number two, what it does for me is it gives me a strong foundation. See, I can build a house on that. There's some foundations you shouldn't build a house on. Jesus tried to tell them in Matthew, storms are gonna come. Oh, they're coming. They're gonna come. They're gonna beat on your house. They're gonna batter your house. You build it on sand, be gone. You build it on a rock named Jesus, it'll stand. You may tell you what you are, you're confident. Why? Because you know that you're born again and you know you're scripturally baptized. You know you have a foundation that's solid. You'll build a house on that. You'll build a house on that. You'll build a life on that. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Simple as that. They know me. Listen to me. When you are confident that you're born again and scripturally baptized, and you know you have a strong foundation, guess what you will do? You will share that story. But if you don't know for sure that you're saved, and you know you're not been, you haven't been scripturally baptized, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to tell your story. Because what if someone asks you, tell me when you were born again. Uh, tell me when you were baptized. Uh, let me call my mom. You're 42. Don't call your mom. All right? But you've got to be confident in that. You can't Google how to share my story if I don't have one. It don't come up. All right? You either got a story about when you were born again or you don't have a story when you were born again. If man can talk you into something, man can talk you out of it. And that includes yourself. That's why the helmet is so powerful because we can doubt ourselves. Right? We can talk to ourselves. So what's a helmet do? We've kind of talked about it. It protects my head, right? protects my brain, and sometimes it protects my face. Right, your mind, if you haven't figured it out, is a powerful thing. Remember when you were a kid, it used to be cool because your parents would go, you have such a beautiful imagination. 
When you grow up and you're 42 and your imagination is still that beautiful, it's not always beautiful, all right? It's like scary, all right? Listen to me. The mind is powerful. It's powerful, all right? The enemy absolutely wants to spend the majority of his time attacking you with mental assaults. Your helmet of salvation protects you, protects your brain and your head from mental assaults from the enemy, okay? One of the things that we make a mistake is that we give the enemy more power than he really has. Do you understand that the enemy, the enemy, the devil, he cannot know your thoughts. Omniscient is God. God is the one who is omniscient, not, not the enemy, not the devil. God knows our thoughts. The enemy does not know our thoughts, all right? God says, I know your thoughts. Psalm 139, God says, I know your thoughts before you think them. I know your words before you speak them. Enemy can't do that. He can't do that. Only God can do that, all right? Only God can do that. Satan can only influence our thoughts by what we see and what we hear. That's all he can do. So if we speak something like that on us, the enemy can jump on it. So if you're a believer or you say you're a believer, but you know, you know that you know that you know that going to church is all you've done, but you've never, ever asked Jesus Christ to save you. You've never been born again. And so you walk out because you know it's a battle and you try to convince yourself that you're born again, and inside your head, you know that you're not. So you start saying, but I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm born again. I'm not sure I've been baptized. And the enemy hears it, and he goes, yep, that's right. You're not born again. You're not saved. You never have done it. You shouldn't even try. Don't go out and battle. Don't fight. Just stay in the foxhole. You're scared. Say you're scared. Don't go. And so you act scared. Don't go. So the enemy attacks what you said, all right? And he uses it against you as mental assaults. He says to you from the bleachers, I can't believe they gave you money to pitch. You can't pitch. That's what he said. And we hear it and we say it. We can only recognize his influence, his lies, because all that the enemy can do is lie because he's the father of lies, all right? So all we can do is he can influence us by lies, but we can counteract that by knowing the truth, by knowing the word. And the word says that when I call out to Jesus and I profess in my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, that I shall be saved. Everyone who confesses, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I do that, I am supernaturally born again on that second. Just like that. My helmet of salvation is strong and secure. So when the enemy says, you ain't done that, yeah, I have. My name's King's Kid. You don't have any power over me. You're a punk, and, and, and I'm not listening to you. And when he tries to take my confidence out in the fact that I'm born again, he can't speak into me. I don't hear it. I don't hear it. Psalm 130, Psalm 119, 9 through through 16, Jesus talks about the word. How can a young man keep his ways pure? By living according to the word of God, by living according to the truth. John 8, 32 says what? The truth shall what? Set me free. 
set me free. Romans 12, one and two says that each day by the renewing of my mind, what do I renew my mind with? The word, the word. Because I know the enemy's tactic is just salts that get to my head. If he can get to my head, he can paralyze me. He can paralyze me. So regardless of anything, it doesn't matter how you feel, okay? This is not a feeling thing. I know people that feel, that they, they feel cold in the summer. But just because you feel cold in the summer doesn't make summer winter, all right? I'm, people go on the feelings too much. This is not about a feeling, all right? It's not the, that helmet of feelings. It's a helmet of salvation. It's locked down, solid, undisputed salvation born again. It's not about my feeling. I can, well, I feel like I was nine, where I feel like I was 11 when I got saved. Well, I feel like I was 12. Well, then when I was 16, I feel like it was that. I'm so dizzy just trying to figure out all your feelings about salvation. Are, are you born again? When were you born again? When were you blind, but now you see? Well, then there was that time in, in 86. Oh, gosh. Listen to me. The reason you're struggling is you... You're trusting feelings, not a fact. There's enough feelings out there. We need facts. The enemy is all about feelings because when we feel something, he lies to us in that feeling. And we, we hear it in that feeling and we think it's truth, but it's not because it doesn't back up by the word. It's not backed by the word. Salvation can't be a feeling. It just can't. It has got to be a fact. You were born again here and you were scripturally baptized here. That is the helmet of salvation, the helmet of confidence, the helmet of a strong foundation, and now you go to war. If you're weak here in the helmet of salvation, the enemy's gonna attack you. It's gonna attack you. Because listen to me, if he can whisper to you that you're not born again, he paralyzes you. You don't go in confidence. But when you know that 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 you know, you will walk out confidently. But if you don't know, you're not gonna walk out confidently, right? And you can't have someone else tell you the truth. You have to know the truth. And you can't share a helmet with someone else. It's gotta be your helmet. You gotta know that you're saved, scripturally born again, scripturally baptized. That is my helmet of salvation to go with all my other armor to walk out in battle, walk out in battle. So what's the key to this? I got to know. I got to know. Only Jeff. My brother, Brian. Brian's got to know. I can't know for Brian. My sister is Jana. I can't know for Jana. I don't know for Jeff. My mom, Cindy. My Cindy can't know for Jeff. Jeff must know for Jeff. Because I can't wear their helmet, and I can't borrow their helmet. I must walk in my helmet. Today, do you know? Don't walk out of here going, I don't know. Just know, it's safe here. You can know, you can know that you know. And you can walk out confidently. If you know you've been born again, you say, Jeff, I know I'm born again. I know I'm saved. I know I met the Lord. I know I am. I know the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. But man, I can't even figure out when I was baptized, if I ever was baptized. And I don't believe I was ever scripturally baptized. And I want to be like Jesus and get baptized by water. Then you say, Come down here and tell somebody, I want to be scripturally baptized next Sunday. Boom, we'll make it happen. And let me tell you what happened to you when you come out of that water. 
you'll be coming out confident, boy. You'll come out confident. You'll attack hell with a water gun, I'm telling you. Some of y'all are going to get that after lunch, okay? You, you, you will come out confident, I'm telling you. And that's what you need. That's what the church has to do moving forward. We live in dark days. You better know your light. You better know your light. All right, got to know your light. The key is I have to know it's my salvation, my helmet of salvation. Let me invite you to stay in church. I'm gonna invite the worship team, ministry folks, if you're on the ministry team this morning, if you'll come back up. This morning is pretty simple. It's a real practical helmet of salvation. The reason it's called the helmet of salvation is because you gotta have that helmet on because it secures your brain, your peanut, your noggin from the enemy can. You're not saved. You're not baptized. And you go, oh, maybe I'm not. No. You don't cry in army, people. That's embarrassing, all right? Get out of the foxhole if you're gonna cry, all right? It's a war. It's a battle. You gotta know. You gotta be confident. If you're online today and you're joining us, listen to me. Same thing's true for you. You gotta know that you know that you know that you know that you know. And when you know, you're confident. You're confident. So this morning, don't leave here not knowing. Don't leave here not knowing. If it's salvation, tell someone. If it's baptism, tell us. We'll get you scripturally baptized. And you can go out there in that battle. You'll win. You'll win. All right, let me pray for us. Father, your Holy Spirit has spoken. We've gathered in your presence, and we know you've touched us, and you spoke our names. And God, the helmet of salvation is a very, very important part. The other part of the armor, if we don't have confidence, we'll never use it anyway. So the helmet that tells us we're born again and we're saved, we're a child of the king is very important because once we know that, we'll use that other armor because we'll be in the battle. If we don't know that, we won't ever get in the battle. So God, I pray today for anyone sounding my voice that needs to be born again, they'd come today. If there's somebody at the sound of my voice, whether it's online or here in the house that needs to be scripturally baptized, they'll reach out. Say, that's me. I need to be water baptized. I need to be baptized like Jesus. You come and do that today. So God, you move us for your glory, for your honor. We want to be obedient only to you today. In Christ's name, amen, amen. Hey, love you, church. Love you online. You come this morning for anything. There'll be people to pray for you. Altars open, but you come as God leads. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.